What's up, guys? On today's show, we're going to cover the last few weeks of NFL free agency and how the new landing spots for these guys affect dynasty value. Tom Brady's going to Tampa, Stephon Diggs is a bill, and Bill O'Brien has lost his damn mind. It's NFL free agency frenzy. It's hot, and let's roll. Streaming from beautiful Portland, Oregon, for all things fantasy football. This is the Tutty Talk Podcast. Barkley with a burst. Barkley down the sideline. Saquon Barkley. Rolling Jackson takes it himself. Looking to turn back and forth. Oh! He broke his ankles. He did what? It's a C-Mac attack. I'm really not into dreams anymore. Okay? I'm into nightmares. A lot of people ain't going to be able to take that over and 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 over again. You like that? You like that? Here are your hosts, Bryce Wells. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say it. I'm gonna put you on blast. Kevin Nelson. It's a damn shame because Pete Carroll is wasting Russell Wilson and there's nothing we can do about it. And Chase Daskalos. No! Lamar Jackson is gonna be a top five quarterback. Welcome back to the Tutty Talk podcast. Today, we get to go over some free agency action. We've got all the boys in the studio today. Chase finally made it out to Arizona. Chase, did you did you make it safely? Are you avoiding the coronavirus as we speak? I'm here. I'm back, boys. I was sick, too. Um, I got sick right <laughs> when the whole coronavirus thing started, so I was a little nervous, but I'm feeling good. I got bad allergies out here, but... I apologize. There's a dog um, above me and below me in my apartment complex. So if you hear some yipping, uh, it's a dog. <laughs> and there's also a guy outside my window who likes to yell all the time. Don't know what he's up to. but So I apologize for those. But other than that, I'm, I'm ready to go. I'm moved in, feeling good. Well, you sound a lot better than, what was it, a week ago that you were sick? Oh gosh, you sounded yeah. terrible. You sound like <laughs> you actually had the coronavirus. You might have, but uh, you're, you're alive. That's all that matters. And you didn't pass it along to anybody, hopefully. So... Um, Hope not. <laughs> I don't really know. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Uh, Kevin, how you doing? I'm doing well. Happy, healthy. Family's all good. Working from home. Going a little stir crazy. So I'm I'm happy to be in the studio talking some football. You know, with everything in sports gone and, and canceled and postponed, it, it was so nice to have this to talk about and this going on the last week um, through the first full week of coronavirus quarantine for a lot of people. So uh, hopefully we can get into the details of this and, and help take your mind off this even a little bit more. Um, why we love uh, NFL fantasy football and, and free agency this time of year is just a ton of fun. And it was, it's it's nice timing because we were getting bored. You know, we set up a mini putt-putt course we in did. our ap- apartment and uh, spanked Kevin and every one of those rounds. But uh, I'm sure he'll try to get some redemption later on. So we were looking forward to this podcast all week. We We decided to wait a little bit longer uh, for for guys to land in certain places. So We've got a, a solid list here to go over today, and uh, why don't you go ahead and start it off for us? All right, so the first guy outside of Tom Brady that made the biggest splash and the most noise, it was before Brady signed with Tampa Bay, was DeAndre Hopkins ending up in Arizona. Uh, the Texans sent Hopkins in a 2024th for running back David Johnson, a 2022nd round pick, and a 2021 fourth round pick. Um, Fantasy-wise... Maybe it moves the needle a little, a little up for for Hopkins in the air raid offense now, uh, with Kyler Murray, uh, R.I.P. Deshaun Watson. 
Um, but Hopkins is so good that it, it doesn't really matter who his quarterback is. You know, he, he was successful with, with guys, you know, forever before Watson, too. So it's not like this is, oh, my God, he's getting so much better. But he goes to a, arguably a better offense with Kenyon Drake and Larry Fitzgerald, Christian Kirk, uh, Kyler Murray. And the deal mainly focuses around Kyler Murray. I mean, this trade makes him a top five dynasty quarterback and makes him maybe a top five seasonal quarterback as well moving into next year. But um, I guess to start us off with this, we know Hopkins is good. We know Kenyon Drake's going to be good. And we know Kyler Murray is good. But how does this affect the other receivers? First, Christian Kirk, which a lot of guys are investing in dynasty value. And then seasonal guys, you know, Larry Fitzgerald's still alive and kicking. He's still very much a part of that offense. I think it's an interesting move. Um, it's I think it's the best uh, trade that went down. Uh, well, and, for one team. Right for one team, um, and, and Houston. I mean, if you're if you're not paying attention to what Bill O'Brien is doing at this point, the amount of criticism that's coming out from not only the public but I, I'm sure uh, just as many players around the league are looking at this trade, going, "What the fuck are you thinking?" And then these other trades that are happening, where you know teams are getting way more out of out of cer- certain players and DeAndre Hopkins is one of the best if not the best receiver in the NFL right now and we know that this team wants to throw the ball you're mentioning air raid and you know it's the Cardinals took a big step forward with this trade uh, they obviously have to fill out the defense a little bit more but you know if you didn't have Kyler Murray in your top five already dynasty wise he's definitely there now uh, and that should be put into consideration for um, every one of you that are playing, uh, you know, dynasty football. So I love this move, but it doesn't move the needle for me. It moves only moves the needle for Kyler Murray. And then we talk about Christian Kirk being another guy that this affects. I think Christian Kirk is still fine. I think the expectation last year was that this team was just going to go out and draft somebody, really rebuild this thing. But th- not anymore. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you have Christian Kirk, you're now looking at, uh, just a complimentary receiver, and and you still like that, you know. It's not a it's not a huge problem, you know, because you're still gonna try to find ways to squeeze them in to your your lineup and most likely your flex. And I think there's gonna be enough throwing from this offense that you know DeAndre Hopkins is gonna get his. There's nothing to worry about here regarding the team that he's landing on now. And and Arizona can now go out and get offensive linemen. And and for those who are stashing Hakeem Butler. I'm sorry, he's he's probably gone. He's not he's not going to find a way in this lineup. And Andy Isabella is 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 right there, right behind Christian Kirk. So he's just waiting for that opportunity. And Larry Fitzgerald there is there too. So it's uh it's going to be a tricky situation for all those tier two and tier three wide receivers on that team. Yeah. So I mean, when the news dropped, we were me, Kevin, and Bryce were actually on uh, like like Facetime group call or whatever, talking to each other, and it popped up on my phone, DeAndre Hopkins to Arizona. And my initial reaction was like, we're all like, holy shit. <laughs> and I was just thinking like, um, DeAndre Hopkins, he's going to get absolutely peppered with targets in Arizona. But the more that I thought about it, I totally agree with you that it's more of a lateral move for Hopkins. It's not necessarily like skyrocketing his value. And it absolutely is wheels up for Kyler, Kyler Murray. Um, he's my third dynasty quarterback now behind Mahomes and Lamar, whatever order you want to put those two in. But there's just way more target competition in Arizona. If we think about it, like who the hell was even in Houston with Will Fuller hurt, Kenny Stills, Kiki Kuti, and the lead back in Carlos Hyde who caught 10 balls all year. 
Now he's going to Arizona, where we know that Cliff Kingsbury wants to spread the ball around with four and five receiver sets. Um, Kenyon Drake was in the top 10 in um, running back receptions uh, last year. So there's going to be way more target competition for Hopkins. Uh, we talked about Christian Kirk. What does this do to him? Obviously, it destroys his ceiling. Um, he's most likely never going to be that team's number one receiver. He's never going to be their number one option. And unfortunately, that's what happens when the second best receiver in the NFL is coming to your city. It's inevitable. But what it's going to do for Kirk, and the good thing is that it's going to boost his slot rate usage. Um, he only lined up in the slot 32.5% of the time in 2019, and that's where he belongs. But he was lining up outside because they didn't really have anyone out. So they didn't really have anyone that they liked to line up outside. You'd think Larry Fitzgerald should be there. But when I was pulling the stats on Kirk at 32.5%, Larry Fitzgerald was used in the slot. I believe it was it was either 70 or 80% of the time. It was something huge like that where it's, it doesn't even really make sense. But anyways, um, we put Hopkins out wide, and now we move Kirk into the slot where he's way more comfortable. It's, it's where he's better at, and it's where he belongs. I think he could perform better than he did last year. Like I said, um, I know it destroys his ceiling. He's not the number one option. But what this can do for him, too, is that he'll now get the lesser cornerback matchups with Hopkins getting the number one coverage. Yeah. So th there's good and bad. Um, but if if there was somebody panicking on Christian Kirk in a dynasty league and was trying to just get out on him for something cheap, um, I, I think it would be a good buy opportunity. I feel like Christian Kirk is Sterling Shepard plus. He's like this complimentary, yeah, excuse me, complimentary guy that uh, has a number one on his team or had a number one on his team that was commanding the majority of the targets. And not that he's injury prone or anything like that. It just seems like that's the type of role he has. It's mm -hmm. similar to that Sterling Shepard. I mean, role. it's Will Fuller, right? Like, He's not as fast, but yes. Right, but yeah. almost more versatile. Like Will yeah, Fuller definitely. is a burner and he's injury yeah. prone and he, he's everything that a burner is. And like that's why we hate Henry Ruggs, right? Yeah. Christian Kirk we like because he's comp to Stephon Diggs and he has this amazing route tree and he's comfortable in the slot and he can play outside and he has ex experience last year too. So I think if anything happens in this offense that really, really wants to throw and spread the ball around, yeah, to, to Chase's point, that, that top floor ceiling, that like top 10 dynasty receiver, probably not. But God. he could pop off and be... You well, know, we've seen, just fine inside the top 15, top 20 this year, and I would not be surprised at all. And we've seen complimentary receivers do well. Michael Gallup, you know, yeah. Tyler Boyd did great when A.J. Green was Will there. Fuller so when he's healthy. Right, yeah, and so there's not really uh, an issue with Christian Kirk. It's just I think the Chase is right. The ceiling's kind of gone now. Mm -hmm. We'll talk about the second part of that trade later on in the show. But Up next, the Denver Broncos made a couple of moves, one of which is going to directly impact fantasy football in that backfield. Melvin Gordon. From the Chargers, agrees to terms with the Broncos on a two-year, $16 million deal with 13.5 guaranteed. Uh, new OC, Pat Shermer's offense. The running backs are significantly more featured in the passing game. And, you know, Melvin's kind of in, in that. Kind of, you know, he has caught passes in the past. Last season, not as much. Of course, the holdout really messed up his value and, and what he was going to, to get potentially uh, by sitting out last year. And not just talking about as an outlet and these receiving backs, but they run routes, they motion, they're all over the place. Philip Lindsay, uh, case in point, what he did last year. Um, Royce Freeman also has a little bit of experience in that, but he's more of that between-the-tackles guy. Um, Gordon took less to sign with the Broncos because he wants to play the Chargers twice. So Bryce is pumped about that. 
Um, moving on from Royce Freeman, probably Philip Lindsay, probably in the same role that he's had in the last couple of years, getting um, over a thousand yards. So uh, Melvin Gordon is he going to have a better fantasy season in 2020 than what he did in 2019? Um, we'll see. Bryce thinks so, though. I I do. I think that obviously we can just account for the games that he missed. That's gonna that's gonna help this out. Yeah. But um, I think this is a great football move for the Broncos. They they went out and signed a ton of uh, defense. Um, they got that whole thing squared away. I'm not concerned about the defense at all. The focus is on the offense, right? And I'm still trying to come to terms with Pat Shermer being in the OC and. I just look at his previous success, and I'm a little hesitant. But the organization loves him. This is the type of guy they wanted there. So um, I really like the two-year deal. You know, I, I don't think anything more than two years uh, is really beneficial for the Broncos. But Melvin Gordon is going to have a better 2020 season than 2019. They obviously want to 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 run the ball efficiently. Melvin Gordon's pretty good at doing that, facing uh, stacked boxes and. Um, I think the one, you know, major takeaway from this is what do you do with Philip Lindsay? What do you do with Royce Freeman? Well, it probably would have been time to to sell those guys a little while ago when the news was coming out that they want they they were interested in running back. I mean, they they checked out a lot of guys post combine and I think that was the red flag for me. This we need to get rid of this, these guys if they're on your fantasy team. However, I think Philip Lindsay's still going to do okay with Melvin Gordon there. It's going to be a lot like Austin Eckler. However, I think Melvin Gordon's still going to be the pass-catching guy there. And so for Philip Lindsay, I'm not really sure how they're going to share time between the two. I don't think Philip Lindsay's Austin Eckler by any means, but they're going to want to involve both of them. Um, I think fantasy-wise, what do you do with, Mel- with Melvin Gordon? You keep him for two years. You just, you just keep him for two years. You see how he does this first year. You're not if he, if he does poorly, you're not going to want to sell him. If he does great, that might be a window for you. However, I think you know you're, if you want to get everything out of Melvin Gordon, this is going to be your last shot. These last two years is really going to be uh, really all it that you have. So I, I think for for the Broncos, this is great. Now they can focus on uh, a little more offensive line, obviously receiver still, and I think that they are now not just with this move, but other moves they made. They're now definitely way more interesting than they were last year. You know, they finished second in AFC West, tied with the Raiders, and I think this just propels them even further, gets closer to the Chiefs. Um, Love that Melvin Gordon wants to play the Chargers twice. That's Mm -hmm. phenomenal. I hate the Chargers almost more than the Raiders. That's not true. On record, I've said I hate the Chargers more than the Raiders, so we'll stick with that. But that was because of Phillip Rivers. We're getting off topic here. Anyways, um, I I love this move. As a Bronco fan, I'm excited for this. Melvin Gordon did really only have one great season. That was the 2018 season. Um, but I still think that there's plenty of juice left in, in Melvin Gordon to squeeze. So, um, yeah, that's where I'm at on Melvin. So the big blow here is to, to Philip Lindsay in the red zone. Somehow, five foot seven, 184, Philip had 33 red zone touches to six foot 229, Royce Freeman with 30. So the Broncos, they'd rather give it to the five seven. Philip Lindsay than Royce Freeman in the red zone. So they don't like Royce Freeman. Now enter Melvin Gordon at his size. Um, I think just all those red zone touches, right? They're, they're going to give that to, that's going to go to Melvin Gordon. So I see maybe Philip Lindsay cast into, I kind of came up with this. They have pretty similar profiles to 
Um, Kasten's is sort of like a Tariq Cohen type role where they're going to use him kind of all over the place motion and try to get him the ball, but not necessarily as a running back. Um, and for Royce Freeman, as long as now, as long as he's on the Denver, the Broncos roster, he's, he's dead. Like there, there's nothing there, right? There's, there's not, you can't use three running backs. There's no, not enough no. volume to go around. They'd rather give it to Philip Lindsay in the first place right now. So he's dead. I, I almost, I don't want to say it improves Philip Lindsay's value, but it almost Definitely makes his, his life, his lifetime in the NFL, I think it increases a ton by this addition. Oh, yeah. Because it's all the red zone touches and all the, I mean, he's not, you just talked about his frame. He's tiny. He's 5'7", 184. He should not have already done what he has done in the NFL. And yet he has. And now you add a a, a tier one running back. He's one of the best 10 running backs in the league, I'd say. To a team that wants to run the ball up the middle, and it doesn't have to be Philip Lindsay. So he's, I mean, I'm sure he's kind of like, damn man, I'm not getting those touches. But really, this is a huge lifetime move that's going to help Philip Lindsay last his career a hell of a lot longer than what it would have been without Melvin. This is how I kind of feel about Christian Kirk, right? Where DeAndre Hopkins is coming to town, and you're finally you're getting to move these guys into the position and the role that they belong into. Philip Lindsay's five seven one eighty four, and he's been a lead back for the right. Denver Broncos for yeah. two years. That's not what he is. No. So being able to actually have that and move these guys into where they're supposed to be, it's totally, you nailed it. That's good for their lifetime value in the NFL. And, and and like you were talking about how it extends it, you know, he's the hometown kid. They, they're going to want to find a way to keep him around um, just because he's undrafted. You know, he's done great for them in the two years they've had him. So, you know, he's going to be, to me, he's like the Darren Sproles of the Eagles. You know, he's just always going to be there. And I think I think um, if you're a Philip Lindsay owner, you initially probably, you know, panic reaction to this whole trade. But in the long run, I think I think you're still he's still very, very salvageable, very playable in, in a flex position. Yeah, you weren't starting him as your one no. or two running back anyway. Right. Moving on. The Las Vegas Raiders picked up a quarterback. Marcus Mariota. Is heading to Vegas. Is he going to be the starter? Is he going to be the backup? We'll kind of start it there because the Derek Carr situation, some guys love him, some guys hate him. They've added other players like Nelson Aguilar and a huge free agency that really opened up Vegas. Um, that would have been great to, to really share that at the NFL draft coming up as well uh, in April that is all canceled because of the coronavirus. But Marcus Mariota, hometown guy here from the University of Oregon, doesn't work out in Tennessee. He's now a Raider and could be the starting quarterback in Vegas when they open up that stadium in the coming fall. What do you guys think? Well, uh, I mentioned last in last week's podcast that I initially thought Mariota was going to be a Patriot, and then I switched it to the Raiders because right. I thought it was going to be a great a great fit with Gruden. Um, we have a little uh, quote from him back when he was an ESPN analyst. He he liked that Marcus you know, was really, really good at functioning in the pocket rather than, rather than being a uh, one-dimensional scrambler. His eyes stay downfield. Uh, he can stay with protection if you give him pass protection. He's a legitimate, you know, dual-threat quarterback. So he has all the tools to being to being great. If any coach out there was to take on Marcus Mariota, mm-hmm. this is the perfect, 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 perfect spot for him. And I, as someone who obviously is a huge fan of Marcus Mariota, I'm so glad that that this is where he went. Even though it's he's going to be wearing a Raider uniform, that's that's where I, I draw the line. But you know, I wanted I want to see success out of him. I don't think anybody schemed around him well while he was in Tennessee, and I think Marcus 
you know, might find a starting role here uh, in, o- not Oakland, Las Vegas, you know, maybe after week one, maybe after week two. It kind of feels like the Raiders, depending on how they draft, are going to want to make a push too along with the Broncos um, to, to find a fi- find a way into the playoffs. And if that's the case, I think Marcus Mariota gives you the best shot at that just because defenses have to prepare more for that type of quarterback. And, and he's more willing to risk the risk of throws downfield and, and and possibly could be more accurate than Derek Carr. I think this is this is great. I'm I'm so happy for uh, Marcus Mariota. What what's kind of weird with this is, you know, John Gruden was all about, you know, hushing these rumors of them going for Tom Brady when that was hot. Yeah. You know, we we're committed to our quarterback. We've got our situation figured out. Derek's a great leader and all these things about him. And then rumors started coming out that, oh, Mike Mayock, remember, he had Marcus Mariota as his number one quarterback coming out of that draft. Yeah. And that was with Jameis Winston, too. And look at where he ended up. I mean, good that Derek Carr has a little bit of competition now. Maybe too good of competition if Marcus is in the right spot. But, Chase, I'll, I'll throw it to you, the Raiders fan. How do you feel about getting arguably the most athletic quarterback outside of Lamar Jackson in the NFL? Yeah, so I have a bit to say here about my Raiders, so I'm going <laughs> to keep her, keep her on track. But... I really think uh, Marcus Mariota could take Derek Carr's job by week one. I, I really do. Um, Mayock and Gruden during this offseason recently said that if there was the opportunity to upgrade at the, at the quarterback position, they would do it. And I think it could be Marcus Mariota. Like we said, he was Mayock and Gruden's number one coming out. And like realistically, was there a worse spot for a QB like Mariota with his skill set to be in Tennessee? Not at the time, no. No, like it was, it was horrible. Let the guy get outside the pocket, create, use his vision, all that good stuff about him. Instead, he's just handing the ball off to Derrick Henry, and he's throwing it fifteen times a game. So <laughs> he also got hurt quite a bit too. Unfortunately, he that's did. that's he did. bad and luck. Yes, when Tannehill came in, obviously he completely turned that team around. So, but I still don't think there was there was not a worse spot where he could go. And like you said, Bryce, and now is there a better spot for Mariota than the Raiders? No, I don't think so. Like no. they're going to add a first round receiver. Um, this draft, they have reliable tight end and Darren Waller, nice slot option in Hunter Renfro. Um, and what's interesting to me is that the rumors all along were Brady to Vegas, Brady to Vegas, Brady's coming to Vegas. Saw a video of him talking to Mark Davis at a uh, UFC fight. Tom Brady going to going to the Raiders. Guess what came out after Brady signed with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? The Raiders never even made an offer to Tom Brady. They knew who they wanted, and it was Marcus Mariota. I love it. I love that so fucking much because I honestly, I think I think before all this was going on, you know, you're looking at Marcus Mariota on your roster, going, eh, I probably lost this one. This one's probably gone. Uh, you might have a you know shot going somewhere else. Uh, outside of the Las Vegas Raiders, but for him to climb back into the value we once thought he had, this this had to happen. And and I love that this was this was the guy they wanted all along. It's just so great. Um one thing that I forgot to mention too, if the Marcus Mariota could easily do to Derek Carr what Ryan Tannehill did to him. And that's the perfect that's the perfect scenario there. It's almost like a Perfect redemption story for Marcus Mariota. And then in a really weird hypothetical, I don't know why I just thought of this, but Derek Carr ends up going to the fucking Lions. 
Just, <laughs> oh no, that's just a perfect no, no, no. place for him. God, I, I would hate that. Uh, <laughs> this is where I really wish we could just rewind Hard Knocks and have this happen, so we could see the progression of Mariota uh, in Las Vegas going through this whole situation. Yeah. I just, I, I know it's not that's not going to happen and all that, but I would just love to see that live with Gruden. I just want to no see kidding. just seeing him work with Peterman and yeah. and uh, Glennon, right? And it just it just looked they just didn't look. Like NFL quarterbacks, it's just so weird. What? Yeah. Mike Glenn? You wouldn't so, want to pay him. The, the competition too. That's going to be in that camp is what's 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 good too. Is that even if Mariota doesn't win that job, I mean, the Raiders are going to start the better quarterback. So yeah, absolutely. Just that competition that's going to going to ensue between Carr and Mariota. I would I prefer to see Marcus Mariota in Week One, but if it's Derek Carr, then Derek Carr beat him out, and I'm wrong. So yeah, yeah. The New Orleans Saints, uh, right after the Brady news, made a big splash, maybe not in a dynasty perspective. I mean, if you have him, you're, you're pretty excited for the next two years of this contract. Uh, but Emmanuel Sanders from the 49ers, from the Broncos before that, uh, ends up in New Orleans on a two-year $16 million deal. Um, this is big. I mean, Michael Thomas really hasn't ever had a number two complimentary, complimentary receiver uh, in his whole career in New Orleans. Drew Brees is working with... Traquan Smith and, you know, like not really throwing to anybody else, but like a tight end, Alvin Kamara, Michael Thomas. That's it. Um, Whoever that tight end is. But now he's got Emmanuel Sanders, a burner who is kind of a burner plus in my mind. Aged receiver, plenty of experience. Great for Michael Thomas. Um, I don't think it impacts Michael Thomas at all. And it only adds to the value of Emmanuel Sanders, who did a lot in San Francisco in an offense that didn't throw the ball a whole lot. They want to go, go, go. They want to win the Super Bowl. This is one of Drew's last opportunities. And they went out and got him arguably the best wide receiver option outside of Amari Cooper in free agency this year. In previous podcasts, I've talked about, you know, which veteran guys at wide receiver you should be hunting for. And this is now one of those guys. Uh, his situation's much better in New Orleans than it is in San Francisco. And he'll have all season long to prepare with this team instead of jumping right into a new offense. Um, so he'll have, have he'll have plenty of time to to learn it and and catch catch footballs from Drew Brees. Like you were saying, it doesn't really affect Michael Thomas's value. But in seasonal leagues, Emmanuel Sanders is a great later mid or later round pick. If you're looking for a wide receiver three or flex, if he's your flex wide receiver, you're you're ecstatic because this offense can supply more than more than two guys realistically between Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara and and Jared Cook's gone, so we don't have to talk about him anymore. But um, Sanders is is the is the new toy for for Drew Brees and and to compliment Michael Thomas, I mean that that offense is gonna be. It's going to be tough to stop. I I just I love this move for the Saints, uh, and I think it's good for the Niners as well. But um, you know, we're going to also talk about guys that have windows of opportunity for you to sell in Dynasty. This is the perfect time to sell. Emmanuel Sanders is right now. He ju- he's fresh on the contract. You don't need to see what he can do. You know what he can do, even at his age. This is the time to to push Emmanuel Sanders onto a team that's trying to make a hunt for the championship in your league and uh, get what you can. I mean, you can easily get a second round for Emmanuel Sanders very easily. I'm good with that. If you're a contender, I'm good with riding, riding out with Manny Sanders just because we know 
New Orleans has needed a second option for, for a while. And we have Michael Thomas there and then there's nothing, um, you know, rest in peace, Traquan Smith, because he's joining Royce Freeman as dead and <laughs> RIP to the rookie that I think we had mocked there. I think our first mock, we had Jalen Rager going there. Do you guys think now, what is, do they take a receiver now? Just because Manny Sanders is, he's so, so much older. He's old. And yeah. I mean, what, so yeah i think they do i think they take some guy for as like a safety blanket insurance policy you know like i mean there's a great chance emmanuel sanders gets injured he he was dealing with uh i think it was a rib injury with the niners for a little while so they're, they're still gonna if it's obviously wanted the second option they're gonna want probably a third guy just in case right well they're hitting the gas pedal too like yeah. their, their window to win is now and you go get a rookie receiver one of the best in a super heavy wide receiver class. Like, if they had a Rager, if they had a Justin Jefferson to go along with that now, oh, my God. Well, you know, we, they go from this one-tier option of Michael Thomas and that's it to having three guys they can throw the ball to. That That's scary. We talked about Rager during, you know, just figuring out what these guys can do. And, and I think Rager is probably the most NFL-ready outside of CeeDee Lamb and Jerry Judy. So, you know, that's a great pick for where they're probably going to have to pick him. But yeah, we'll see. So the two-year contract is a little surprising to me. I'm not, like, blown away by it. But the fact that he's 33, Drew Brees is probably only playing one more year would be my guess. Mm -hmm. And that this feels like a this-is-it kind of move. Here we go. We got one year. This is our year to win the Super Bowl. Kind of weird to me that they signed uh, Manny Sanders to a two-year deal. I don't know if that's hinting at something with Drew Brees down the road. But you, in my opinion, you'd think it would just be a one-year deal. And and this year – in the first round with this draft class that they would just draft a receiver and they, he gets this rookie receiver gets a year behind Michael Thomas. who He's not going to jump Michael Thomas, but learn from Michael Thomas and Manny Sanders. Manny Sanders is on this one year deal and then he's gone. So I thought that was kind of interesting that it was a, a two year deal. Yeah. Yeah. I'm on board and I agree. Okay. <laughs> Up next, the uh, quarterback for the Patriots is no more. He's heading to Tampa, TB to TB. Everybody freaked out. It was on Sports Center for fucking forever. Tom Brady's going to Tampa Bay, though, and that's really weird. And every mock-up you see of him in the digital clock-looking uniform isn't going to happen. The Bucks are getting new uniforms. The Falcons are getting new uniforms. Like everybody's getting a new uniform. So just just chill with that shit. All right. It's a little bland. The, the new one, the yeah. leaked one. If yeah. that if that leak is real, yeah, we'll we'll post it on Teddy Talk. Um. But he agrees to a two-year, $50 million guarantee, up to $4.5 million each year in performance-based incentives. This really isn't about Brady, though, when it comes to Dynasty, obviously. If you have Tom Brady, you, I would hope you're in win-now mode, and I would hope that he's not your first, second option at quarterback. But if he is, whatever, maybe now's a good time to sell him. But this impacts Chris Godwin and Mike Evans. Um, Brashad Perryman, if he ends up back there, which we don't expect him to, given the the this contract, and then everybody else who is maybe playing in that division as well. So first and foremost, Chris Godwin and Mike Evans, are they going to add Antonio Brown, and are they going to go after Julian Edelman, which has been rumored as well? I don't think either one of those are going to happen. I, I I just I just don't think Arians is is the type of coach that wants to go get a questionable player like Antonio Brown with the character issues and off-field stuff and BS that he puts everyone through. Um, and I think it just comes down to who's got 
who's got control of this team? Is it Tom Brady or is it uh, Bruce Arians? And I think Bruce, Bruce Arians has this. It's not Belichick anymore making making these kind of uh, decisions and uh, Tom, you know, influencing that. So uh, I think the, the real question is, like you said, where are we at with Godwin and Mike Evans? I think no matter what, no matter what, doesn't matter who's throwing the football, Godwin is – QB proof in my mind. Uh, he's he's playing that slot position, the same one Larry Fitzgerald played when when Arians was coach, and I think this offense flows through Godwin. It's it's more concerning regarding Mike Evans. Now Brady's shown some decline, you know, f- the past couple years. We naturally, we, yeah, of course he's he's old and it's gonna happen. Um, but this offense is gonna be flying. Like I, I think I think people. When they think about quarterbacks, whether or not Jameis or Tom would be the better option at quarterback for um, the receivers regarding fantasy, I think with the offense being on the field more, less turnovers, it's going to be it's going to be running running a little bit smoother, you know, and you're not you're just going to have more opportunity for these guys to 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 gain yards, to gain receptions, um, move the ball down the field. So I, I really don't think Tom is a huge um, you know, upgrade, and I don't think he he is a downgrade. You know, he he's the perfect type of guy for this offense, I I believe. And, and you know, um, Arians worked with Carson Palmer at, at an older age, and I'm not saying that they're comparable by any means, but I don't think I don't I really just don't think that this is a downgrade for Godwin or Evans. I think this is this is just fine. I think it's going to be interesting to see if Tom can succeed without Bill Belichick. It's it's always been that. That question in the air is: is the, Are the Patriots good because of Belichick, or are they good because of Tom Brady? Well, Tom Brady's the one playing on the football field, so I, I'm going to go. I'm going to go with Tom Brady on this one. <laughs> Can you guys hear the the dude screaming yeah, outside? Yeah. The window? <laughs> My God, sounds like a Texans fan. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but anyways, um, in my opinion, it's a slight upgrade for not a slight upgrade. I think it's a big upgrade for Brady being able to go from New England, where they basically had nothing, and now you're thrown to Chris Godwin and Mike Evans. Um, and then on the flip side of that, it's a slight downgrade in dynasty value, in my opinion, for Godwin, but more so for Evans because by the time the season starts, Evans, Mike Evans is going to be 27. Chris Godwin's only 24. So slight, slightest downgrade for Godwin. And why am I saying this? Because, well, I'm sorry, but I don't think Tom Brady is going to recklessly be throwing for 5,100 yards and 33 touchdowns. I know he's going to turn it over less, and, and that's big, but – a slight downgrade, and more so to Evans. Um, and back to the AB thing. If I'm Bruce Arians, I'm not. I'm not touching Antonio no, Brown. No. Um, and what we've seen with the free agents, receivers, and Robbie Anderson and Brashad Perriman, there's like basically no market for them. So if the, this all blows over and Robbie Anderson and Brashad Perriman haven't been signed, I would just like to see um, Tampa Bay just re-sign Perriman for yes, you know, mm-hmm. whatever the, the cheap, the cheap option is there. So that's where I'm at with that. I got nothing else on Brady. I'm I'm just tired of it, man. Already, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of sick of. Oh my God, Brady's moving on. Like it's cool. It'll, it'll be. I mean, all the legends have done it, right? Like all these guys have have played for one last team at the end of their career. Just, just so weird. To, it's good for the Patriots too. Like I mean, they they stuck to their guns. They have their what their a plan. Obviously, that you know they're either gonna draft a kid or they're gonna find another option for this year. Get through this year and then see what happens. Like it's fun to watch 
um, good organizations rebuild yes. properly. Yes, and we will get to see that with the Patriots, totally. and, and and that'll shine through the draft. You know, that I don't want to say they whiffed on Nikhil Harry at pick thirty two last year. I just or uh, thirty one takes, takes time. Yeah, no, so. Um, yeah, it's just we're just gonna have to wait and see. But I, I'm excited to see who they grab at quarterback. That's still up in the air mm-hmm. right now. A lot of mocks, Jordan Love and Jalen Hurts or something. Develop Hurts. Oh my God. Okay, yeah. from one good organization, the New England Patriots, the best, to maybe the worst organization in all of football right now, led by Bill O'Brien. The Texans acquired David Johnson in the DeAndre Hopkins trade, and, and what was weird was. David Johnson was announced first in that trade. So we were all on a, a Google Hangout talking, and we're going, oh, holy shit, like, David Johnson's going to Houston. Like, I wonder what the trade is. Like, got to be like a fifth-round pick or something crazy like that. And the trade comes in, and it's the, the seconds and the fourths, and, of course, DeAndre Hopkins. What the what the hell is going on? <laughs> I, we, we will post it because it is the best video on the Internet uh, related to fantasy football. You For the third are, time. And you guys already know, like, what it is. But it's David Johnson taking a, like – sweep left like outside <laughs> run at 50 <laughs> percent at and the, i don't know why they had him in the game for arizona but he's lumbering he he's lumbering in the backfield just in slow <laughs> motion and some like two corners come flying up and just a bop him in the backfield and david johnson's afternoon was done so <laughs> is that the player that they're getting like i know that that's funny and that was last year is that the player that they're getting we don't know the injury we, we really won't know or are we going to get David Johnson from the first six games, which was a top five fantasy running back last year? Like, he, he was really good until, obviously, he got hurt. And before then, he's been dynasty value, massive. I mean, he's been he's been so accountable and so reliable for so many years that it's just strange all of a sudden. Everybody freaks out about how bad of a trade this is where Bill O'Brien, if he's getting healthy David Johnson, maybe, just maybe, is smarter than all of us in getting a running back that he's wanted all these years. Yeah, what what does Bill O'Brien know that we don't know? Right, that's <laughs> what it is. That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, something's some, up. Something ain't right. Um, something ain't right. I think I think the thing that ain't right is Bill O'Brien. Uh, I think you know, Oof. just look across the league. Just go into social media. You're not gonna find one supporter of this David Johnson to, for for DeAndre Hopkins trade. There's mm-hmm. just not one, and and rightfully so, right? So <laughs> if I have. <laughs> If I have David Johnson, I'm not excited. No, it's over for what? Da- it's over for David Johnson. Okay, I want to believe that they're going to draft a running back, but then I also wanted to believe that they weren't going to trade DeAndre Hopkins away for a bag of potato chips. So it's so weird to me that this is the guy they they went out and got. You know, David Johnson didn't even really break out till he was 23 or 24, and now he's 29, right? I think he's 29. No. Go look it up right now. I'll wait. I'll, I'll I'll keep it going, though. So David Johnson's this older running back who lumbers around. He's obviously lost a step. Still driven. You love that. You love the dog the dog in him. Damn, he old. He's old. 28. 28. You look at other guys around that age, like Le- you'd rather have Lev Bell than David Johnson right now based off of pure volume and the contract that he was given. So David Johnson, you know, I don't think this this doesn't make Houston better. You know, they don't have anybody to throw to. This was a passing offense first. This wasn't a run first offense. So all of a sudden you want to change your scheme around to where David Johnson's carrying the ball 20 times a game or touching the ball 20 times a game. I don't think he's even going to get close to that. I think it's going to be more around 15 or 16, but 
you know, 20 time, 20 touches a game is just not realistic in my mind. Duke Johnson's waiting in the shadows. You know, it's just, it's such, it doesn't make any, any sense. And your window to sell David Johnson is now. This is another guy. It's open again, somehow. It's That window's open, the win- baby. <laughs> the window's open, and you're jumping out the window head first. <laughs> so you need to sell David Johnson. It's, it's done. Get what you can for him. I don't even think he's worth a second-round pick. I would consider a third, but even then, I don't think I would. I think I'd rather take a dart throw. It's one of these rookie wide receivers entering the draft because I don't believe in David Johnson at this point, and that one run is tells you everything you need to know. Um, so that's where I'm at with Dave Johnson. I think it's probably the worst trade in the history of the NFL, honestly. Oh, um, wow. it's, it's that bad. It's that the Bills got a first for digs. Damn. Yeah. Like, just like, I don't know. I don't, we don't know what the hell Bill O'Brien's doing. But if you didn't, if you own David Johnson and didn't sell him when the writing was on the wall in Arizona, you just got lucky with this news, creating a little bit of buzz. Get the hell out. Trade David Johnson. I am. God, I want Duke Johnson to happen so bad. I just, oh, it just drives me insane. You know, they gave up a third for him last year. I want that to happen so bad. If they don't draft a running back, I'm pumped for Duke Johnson because yes. David Johnson's going to get hurt or he's just going to be a flat out terrible because <laughs> we know he is now. So, but while we're saying trade David Johnson is. I really think Houston is going to draft a running back in the second and third round. Uh, they they need to. Um, but it's Bill O'Brien, and we don't know what the hell he's building in Houston. So who knows what they're going to do. Poor, poor Deshaun Watson. I feel for the guy. The guy's battled through ACL injuries. His team doesn't ever seem to take a step forward. You know, it's kind of stagnant. You know, there's not a lot of... Not a lot of movement, and that division is so winnable. You know, it's just, it's right. And they, you know, technically they have taken that division, but I think that's, that's not going to be the case in 2020. You know, the Colts are interesting now. I think the Colts have filled out really well. And, um, you know, Jacksonville's not there, but Tennessee's made moves and, and they're going to battle with, with uh, the Colts. And I think Houston has a great shot at finishing third in that division in 2020. And that's, to me, not bold to say. So um, David Johnson doesn't help um, Deshaun Watson out whatsoever in my mind. Um, it's just it's a mind-blowing trade, and, and I don't think we're ever going to forget this one. I don't know why you think uh, the Texans are on the downward slope. I mean, they traded Jadevian Clowney for Barkevious Mingo. I mean that's <laughs> yeah, and there there you go. There's just the tr- this is who, track who is record also, now. Who's also a free agent this year? Oh my god, it's it's unreal. It is un unreal that this is going on in Houston. So we put the bookends on that trade, and we open up another one that was really big, shocked the league after all the drama, all the bullshit, all the bitching, all the oh, I'm not getting the ball enough. Stephon Diggs is on the move. He's moving from Minnesota to Buffalo of all places. Uh, a lot of people thought he was going to go to the Eagles, maybe the Seahawks, maybe the Niners. I mean, you, you name it, all these teams that could use an explosive player like him. And he becomes the immediate wide receiver one for the Buffalo Bills. Um, the Vikings sent a seventh-round pick and digs in exchange for the Bills' 2021st, a fifth, a sixth-round pick, and a 2021 fourth. Now, what does it mean for the Buffalo offense that – was hunting for a running back as well, tried to get Melvin Gordon. Um, we're maybe considering, I'm not even going to say it, 
Todd Gurley, because mm. nobody was besides Atlanta. But oh, like what? What does this mean for Stephon Diggs, who has been wide receiver one A and one B with Adam Thielen for most of his career? Now he goes to Josh Allen, who's had accuracy issues, and people are saying he's worse than Kirk Cousins in that regard. And that's why Stephon Diggs has been so unhappy all these years. What does it mean for Diggs? Can he be a top 15 receiver, or is he more like a top 25 guy now? Diggs will be a top 15 receiver. Um, I, and maybe my bias is is playing into effect here, but I think this is this is great for Stephon Diggs. He's going to be the number one guy in Buffalo. So already the question mark of is he an alpha dog receiver? Well, he is now. Um, so I think the opportunity in Buffalo is there. For, for Diggs in comparison to the Vikings. And I think you're going to see more consistent uh, uh, points week to week. I, I think the ceiling's a little more limited because John Brown and Cole Beasley do a lot of uh, other things that, that Diggs can also do because he's the best receiver there. But, you know, Josh Allen finished as your QB6 in fantasy. Obviously, that the running helped out with that. The rushing touchdowns helped out with that. But, I mean, this offense isn't bad you know they have a solid line um they're gonna probably add it running back in, in the draft and you have all these weapons so defenses are gonna have to work harder to to defend the amount of speed that they're bringing right. bringing to the field so um i'm not that scared about Diggs going to buffalo if you're a Diggs owner i think it's it's just fine i mean he's only had one top 10 season uh fantasy wise uh, since he entered the league so I think you're just going to see more consistency despite some of the accuracy concerns Josh Allen uh, people have about Josh Allen and he's gotten be- Josh Allen's gotten better every year um, of the two years that he's played so uh, I think uh, I think that Diggs is just going to be just fine in, in this offense um, and I don't think this is he loses out at all and um, I'm I'm all in on Diggs This is a great trade for Buffalo in general um they're, they're winning the AFC East. I don't care what anyone else has to say. What, wait, what about Miami? Right. Or the, what about they got the, they, they, Tom Brady. They've got uh, they've got all those talented defensive players now. They, they're going to be on offense more, right? Right. Yeah. No, Buffalo's winning the AFC East. <laughs> it's a great trade for Josh Allen, right? Every single QB in the league would be juiced if you added Stephon Diggs to your receiver group. Except Kirk Cousins. Except Kirk Cousins. <laughs> <laughs> And in my opinion, it's pretty shit for Diggs. So just based on the numbers, we know Stephon Diggs is one of the best deep ball threats in the league. Um, He received the fifth most deep targets in the league last year, all while Minnesota was second to last in pass attempts per game. He was ninth in completed air yards, sixth in yards per reception, and fourth in yards per route run. So clearly the dude goes deep. Not to mention um, he was number one in the NFL in target quality. You like that? Mm -hmm. Kirk, yeah. Anyways, Kirk Cousins' deep ball percentage was 10th in the NFL, and his deep ball catchable target rate was 77%. On the flip side, Josh Allen was 33rd in the NFL in deep ball completion percentage, and only 37% of his deep attempts were deemed catchable. So 77% from Kirk Cousins to 37% from Josh Allen. My question is, is Diggs going to be throwing a fit in week six when balls are Deep balls are sailing over his head. Um, we know he likes to 
he takes it to Twitter. He's kind of a little bit of a diva. There was nothing serious there, but he voices his opinions. And if he doesn't like it, he wants out. So um, he's good enough to be de- deployed differently. I've, I will agree with that. Um, and if, if the Bills want to send John Brown deep, which is what he's good at, kind of being their deep threat, and they want to deploy – Stefan Diggs a little differently. I'm cool with that. Um, That's what I, I think, think is going to happen. That, right. I do yeah. think, and we, I think Diggs is a good enough to receiver to be able to, they can use him however they want to use him. Um, but if not, with what I said about all the Josh Allen completion percentage and all that compared to Kirk Cousins, I'm a little worried about Diggs in Buffalo. I just see John Brown finishes top 15, Cole Beasley finishes 28. So I'm I'm at this point with John Brown or not John Brown Stefan Diggs where I think the opportunity is there you know and I think it's a a pretty safe floor for him regardless it's just where where's that ceiling at that's that's where that's what we're really talking about here Philip Rivers is no longer in San Diego or LA he is heading to Indianapolis which just seems like the easiest simplest most realistic transition for any player in free agency that I can ever remember like I I could flash forward 10 years from now and I'll go like oh yeah Philip Rivers like he was always a Colt or or was he a Charger like oh yeah he was he was both right like that just it's just a perfect fit like sorry Andrew Luck but um, Philip Rivers is going there, and he's he's freaking pumped. Like he's got all these connections in Indy, and like he said, he's always wanted to be a Colt. T.Y. Hilton stock suddenly skyrockets. Everybody in that offense really looks a hell of a lot better than what they had before. Obviously, Jacoby Brissett, not the the prized gem that you really want to have thrown to those guys, but Philip Rivers, gunslinger, they're going to be throwing the ball a hell of a lot more maybe than they were in the past. Still yet to hear anything about Marlon Mack and an extension or a contract or whatever. But if they keep adding to that offense, oof, uh, the Colts could be looking pretty good, at least for the short term. Uh, this is a one-year deal, so they're going win-now mode. I, I could see them going in the draft. Yeah, they, they probably should draft quarterback for the sake of the, the future of the franchise, but you know the NFL is so year-to-year, it's almost like you've got Jacoby Brissett already on contract, who's your backup. You've got Phillip for this year. Go try and win it now in a division that, really is trying to let you win the damn thing. Like, Tennessee's your only competition at this point, in my mind. The Jags are bad, bad. They're projected to have, like, four and a half wins, Vegas right now. The Texans are shooting themselves in the foot and trading away all their superstar players and leaving Deshaun all by himself. And the Titans are the Titans of last year, which barely made the playoffs, remember. Like, they weren't that good. They just got hot. Yeah. And now they've got Tannehill and an angry Derrick Henry who's on a, a tag I don't know. I, I like the Colts almost more than anybody um, in the AFC South with Phillip Rivers. Yeah, and I think this is why they went and got him. Like you just said, the division's wide open for them to take it, and and they they kept the the majority of their offensive line. Um, you know, their receivers will be healthy for twenty twenty. Hopefully, by the time we get to the start, I think they're going to add another weapon there uh, in the draft. I don't know. I don't know really who they're going to gr- grab, but. Um, you know, you have T.Y. Hilton, you have Paris Campbell, so you have these really fast guys that are great in space. And Phillip Rivers, you know, he, he he's been okay throwing down the down the field to Mike Williams, uh, that type of that type of um, that type of play from him. But uh, overall, this tells me, you know, T.Y. Hilton is going to have a, a solid year here with Phillip Rivers, and I think this is just another one of those buffer moves where they're just pushing that draft a quarterback just another year. 
you know, 2021 is where they're going to be looking to draft their guy. They're just waiting for Andrew to say he's coming back. Yeah. Just give him one more year <laughs> off. He'll, he'll be back. Don't worry. He's coming. Keep him on your roster. <laughs> <laughs> and who knows? Maybe they do. But, um, yeah, Phillip Rivers, uh, as much as I hate him, he's out of the AFC West now. I don't have to worry about him at this point. So I kind of hope he does well in Indy. You know, I think uh, I've never hated the Colts. Uh, I think they've got uh, an up-and-coming defense. They're kind of middle of the road right now. But, you know, they're, they'll they'll get there. And um, I think just make it quick, just the division is, is theirs for the taking. And that's about it. I understand the win-now move for the Colts. Um but I don't, dude. Uh, Philip Rivers, he's not good anymore. I'm sorry. We watched it last year. His arm is shot. Um, he was 24th in the NFL in true passer rating. 24th. That's not very good. So, like I said, I understand the win now move. I feel like Indianapolis is sort of name chasing a little bit here with Philip Rivers. We'll go, go get the guy that everyone knows, Philip Rivers. But what what did Rivers do with the team in? San Diego slash LA. How far did he ever make it in the playoffs? I don't even know, but I don't. He's he's never played in an AFC championship game, has he? He's not a winning quarterback. He's yeah. So there's teams. When I say teams. when I say winning quarterback, I, I should I should put a little context there. He doesn't win enough to get them to the playoffs consistently year after year. Well, he's always got the ball with two minutes left down by one score. Like that's, that, that's what you live for Sunday. That's why NFL Red Zone, you got to have it because you got to watch Phil <laughs> fuck it up at the end. It's the best. And then he'll complain to his teammates or complain to the refs. And he's just a, it's TV, baby. I it's, love it. It's great TV. And, and he's a competitor. I just, I hate, I hate, I hate, I hate him. I hate his attitude. Yeah, he's as my point was. He's had far better teams over the years yeah. in in L.A. slash San Diego, and has done nothing with them. So I I don't know. I feel like they're name chasing. Sure, whatever. One year deal, go for it all. But I'm out. I'm out on Philip. I'm not buying it. Cut by the Rams after a massive deal. Todd Gurley is heading to Atlanta on a one year. $6 million deal with the Falcons. He gets uh, $11 million to play in 2020 after the Rams are having to pay part of it. The Falcons will play part of it in bonuses and things like that. Uh, this is all about a knee, right? He's 25 years old, this guy. Todd Gurley. Feels like he's been in the league forever. That's because he has. I mean, Todd Gurley was with the Rams when they were in fucking St. Louis. Like, when they this were really is, bad. When they were really bad. Like... <laughs> It, it, this is such a gross, unfortunate. I mean, Todd Gurley two years ago was almost the MVP of the league, right? Yeah. Super Bowl run, he was phenomenal. The year before that, he was great too. I mean, Todd Gurley's been really, really good for so long. This is why you don't pay running backs, though. The Rams handcuffed themselves so bad with a massive contract that they literally just ate money because they didn't want to eat more money at, at a certain time where they were going to have to pay him for the upcoming season. Ten and a half million dollars. Here it is. You got to cut him before four o'clock. And they did it. Superstar player. No more. This contract shows it. Todd Gurley. Atlanta's drafting running back. We all know that. But like, is he even is he even realistic to have in seasonal leagues, do you think, for 2020? Um, I am not touching Todd Gurley with a hundred foot pole. Um, like you said, this contract is all that you need to see, you know, one mil, uh, $6 million or one mil, one year, $6 million. Um, 
it's so bad. He's he's fucked. I mean, to to put it to put it bluntly, I mean, Atlanta, what are you doing? You know, you're you're not a hometown kid. I I get that, and and maybe that's what they're going for here is they're trying to sell tickets to get people to come to the game because they got Todd Gurley now. But any football fan that's watched or follows any of this should know that this deal is a glaring red flag telling everyone, hey, this guy is not all right. Arthritis doesn't go away. It's a constant problem that people suffer for years and years and years. And to be fair, a lot of running backs end up having these problems, but not when they're really 25 years old. He's not that old. You know, he's he, he should be, um, you know, coming down the hill a little bit, but the production should still be there. And and we like you said, we know that they're going to draft a running back. Watch them go out and draft Cam Akers, another uh, a somewhat a guy somewhat close to Georgia, uh, played in Florida, and, and and a guy that would fit well into this offense. It's just so bizarre to me that these teams make these moves for um, running backs that they just they should know they they got nothing left in the tank to really make your team better. It's all about the clout, baby. Come on, I I guess it is about <laughs> selling tickets. Maybe the Texans were thinking the same thing. You know, I. I, I'm I'm just blown away. Um, I, a, a guy in our league sold Todd Gurley for the 203 and OJ Howard in a 10-man league. That's a great deal. And and honestly, that's the best you're going to get, in my opinion. If you get a first round for Todd Gurley, then you're playing with in a, in a league full of dummies. Okay, There's no way you're going to get a first round pick for Todd Gurley. You would much rather have Clyde Edwards-Hilaire over Todd Gurley at this point without even knowing where he's going to go. It, it's that kind of situation that makes me turn away from Todd Gurley completely even if I'm a win now team uh he's not he's not the veteran running back that you want to go out and pay for as little as possible to to win a ship with because you should know you I the contract is bad and and you don't know what you're going to get out of Todd especially when you can assume they're going to draft running back yeah just that we talked about it that contract screams Atlanta knows he's not healthy, and Todd Gurley knows that he's not healthy. Um, he's that—that that was his offer. That's what he wanted. He knew one year, six mil. That's it. I'm going there. You would if he was good, and teams knew that he was healthy. When Todd Gurley is 25 years old, who was supposed could have been the MVP of the league two years ago, or whatever, gets cut. You would think, right, that teams would if he's worth what. There's a resource calculator out there out in the fantasy world that has Todd Gurley worth the 107 in a rookie draft. And that no is way. blasphemous. Like I, I, maybe the 207, right? I would, yeah. if I would probably give up the 207 for Todd Gurley, if I had Todd Gurley, I would take the 207. That's pretty fair to me. I mean, a whole round off. Um, the fact that this dude's 25 years old and, and the, a one year, $5 million contract that, I mean, yeah. he's, he's cooked. I think that's like the most mind blowing thing about this whole thing is he's twenty five. You know, like what, what could have been for Todd Gurley? You know, you could easily have seen him be just one of these dominant running backs for years and years and years with the trajectory of his career. But fighting this knee injury and this arthritis is gonna really suffocate what could have been. Well, and his first two years in St. Louis, he was facing stacked boxes mm-hmm. every time he was on the field mm-hmm. and and he was the only weapon there and he had a rough stretch for a bit and you just think about the amount of abuse that his body's taken uh especially two years ago when he touched the ball a million times i mean yeah 
The guy is a, a dominant NFL uh, running back when he's healthy, and unfortunately, this just happens to some players. And and uh, Todd Gurley's on that list now. We're we're gonna think about what could have been, like you were talking about. It's just uh, unfortunate for him, but in dynasty and seasonal um, drafts, you just gotta avoid gotta avoid Todd Gurley. We wrap things up in Carolina, where the Panthers are moving on from Cam Newton. Said that they've given him permission to go out and seek a trade, which Cam clapped back with in his wingdings. And I hate that so text. much. Yeah. I hate the wingdings thing. It, it doesn't make any sense. He's a fucking weirdo. So glad he's gone. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater is going to be the quarterback in Carolina after signing a three-year, $63 million deal, 33 mil guaranteed. And after the knee injury that he had in Minnesota and sitting out almost a full year and a half, he goes to New Orleans and, you know, kind of salvages a little bit with Drew going out and and played really well. He gets a deal like this. Good for Teddy. But remember his numbers (laughs) before you think Teddy's going to come in and start slinging the ball all over the place, you know? Like, he's not a gunslinging quarterback. He's never been that. And people were all pumped about Teddy Bridgewater heading to this, oh, my God, this stacked wide receiver core and Christian McCaffrey. I'm like, I feel like they would have been better off with Cam Newton in a lot of ways. Teddy's a game manager. He managed the games when Drew Brees was out. Did it affect Michael Thomas? No, because they told him to get Michael Thomas, the best player on the field, the fucking ball. Like, everybody's clamoring about, oh, Michael Thomas did fine. DJ Moore's going to do great. I don't see it that way at all. I see, like, DJ Moore taking a huge hit from this. I see Curtis Samuel taking a huge hit from this and more pressures on Christian McCaffrey because they have a game manager at quarterback who wears two gloves, who has never been a great quarterback. <laughs> two gloves. That is a problem. That's where Kevin draws the line. <laughs> I'm two sorry. Gloves. <laughs> I'm sorry, but I've never been impressed with Teddy Bridgewater. I'm stoked that he got this contract. I'm glad that he's in a, in a really competitive division, and the hype is real. But don't overpay. Don't overdraft Teddy Bridgewater because he's he is what he always has been and always will be, which is right in the middle. He is not great. He's not bad, and that's what you don't want in fantasy football. What's the upside with Teddy Bridgewater? Like, what do you what do you love about Teddy? There's not. He doesn't run. He can't run. He, he doesn't add that to his game, which he had before the injury, which was like, okay, well he could scramble in a couple touchdowns, kind of like Dak. Doesn't have that anymore. Like this is a. A pocket passer with a weak arm that manages the game. With a very questionable O-line. I'm out. Very questionable. I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, I, yeah, I, I get you. Uh, I flip-flopped on Teddy Bridgewater trying to take a stance, and it's tough. You know, um, I, I, I think this is going to be one of those situations where I'm going to have to wait and see. Because uh, I, I, at the moment, I'm not that convinced that he's just going to come in and and run the show in Carolina. And I don't really know what Carolina's doing now, uh, having paid him, you know, $33 million guaranteed. Yeah, that's not like three years. I know, it's not a lot. It's not like Nick Foles, like you're not dead. Right, right. But it kind of feels like that situation, you know. And and maybe you want to believe, I still want to believe Carolina will make a push for a quarterback. Definitely. You know, they kind of have to. Definitely. But maybe maybe it is kind of how Jacksonville took their approach. Maybe they... they wait a little bit before they draft a quarterback. Maybe they get a guy like Jacob Eason or um, what's that kid out of um, uh, Washington State? Is it Anthony Gordon? Yeah, mm-hmm. maybe that guy or uh, like some some dart throw quarterback that works out for him. I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do, but I think that they know they at least need to have a guy that better than Cam Newton. And 
and it's crazy to me that they want Bridgewater over Cam. I know Cam's been bad, um, and, and I would at least think they would have tried to make more of an effort to to hold on to Cam. They still have him right now. They haven't moved on from him yet, but uh, I just think it's such a weird scenario. You're totally right. This doesn't really help out, you know, DJ Moore. It doesn't help out Chris Godwin. It might help out Ian Thomas because he's a tight end. Um, but ultimately, yeah, Christian McCaffrey, another year of uh, a ton of touches and, and running running the offense through him. I'm on the other side of it a little bit. I'm I'm interested. Uh, I agree with kind of wait and see. But in my opinion, if there was an offense for Teddy Bridgewater to go to and be a game manager in, it would, in my opinion, it would be Carolina with DJ Moore, Christian McCaffrey, Curtis Samuel, up and coming tight end, uh, Ian Thomas, new head coach, Matt Rule, who we saw what he did with Baylor. So I'm interested in that. I do think I'm a little biased towards DJ Moore. DJ Moore is my boy. I think, I think he's fine. Um, His average depth of target matches up really well, actually with what Teddy Bridgewater does. So, that's why I think DJ Moore will be fine. Um, the big debate here that I've seen all over the place is Curtis Samuel. Um, we know the crazy unrealized air yards or whatever that Curtis Samuel um, missed with Kyle Allen at quarterback. And everyone wants to dub, because he ran a 4-3-1 at the combine, everyone wants to dub Curtis Samuel as a burner. And the only thing that he does is go deep. Curtis Samuel's 5'11", 200 pounds. And he happened to run a 4-3-1. He, like... I've kind of been on the opposite side of it saying that I think it was bad for Curtis Samuel. This goes um, back to what we're talking about with Stefan Diggs. And if Buffalo deploys Stefan Diggs differently, if Matt rule and Carolina deploys Curtis Samuel differently, he's not a burner. He's really not. Like I said, he's 5'11", 200 pounds. He's got a great route tree. Right. Um, Robbie Anderson, those guys, the, what five eight five nine one eighty five? Those guys, those guys are burners. Curtis Samuel's not a burner, in my opinion. They can line him up. Um, he's got a running back background too, so I've seen both sides of the Curtis Samuel thing. Um, because we know Teddy Bridgewater, he doesn't throw deep. That's 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 the knock on Curtis Samuel mixing with Teddy Bridgewater is that we saw Curtis Samuel go deep a bunch last year, and people think Curtis Samuel's just a burner because he ran a four three one and Teddy Bridgewater doesn't go deep. But if they can deploy him differently, I do, I'm do. i interested in what Teddy Bridgewater is going to do in Carolina. Um, in a two-quarterback league, I would definitely want him as my third quarterback. Um, but if he pops, I mean, in that offense with those weapons, he has QB – I don't want to say he has quarterback one upside, but you could definitely feel comfortable sticking him in your QB two slot. I mean, doesn't really feel like they need to throw deep. Um, and and with a new coach, the offense is going to change. I don't think we can just assume that this is going to be the same thing as last year because it's not the same team. Um, uh, you know, I think Teddy Bridgewater is obviously a short to medium range type of quarterback, and DJ Moore's great. You know, has a great yak um, uh, stat and and. Curtis Samuel is going to have to probably be used differently and he's great in space. So I think uh, I, I could see it being beneficial. I can see it, it not at the same time, kind of on the same side of uh, as you when it comes to Curtis Samuel and DJ Moore. So I think, uh, you know, this is a wait and this is totally a wait and see situation. There's don't, don't trade Teddy Bridgewater. Now don't, 
just sit on him. Just sit and wait because he's going to be the starter week one, even if they draft a quarterback. So that's just kind of how I feel about the Carolina Panthers. It's a weird, weird move, but uh, I'm okay with it at the same time. I can't wait for Carolina to draft Jalen Hurts and Cam Newton doesn't have a job and we just sit here and laugh and laugh and laugh. It's like we've been calling it for the past <sighs> three or four months now, maybe longer. I'd like Jalen Hurts a hell of a lot more than I'd like Teddy Bridgewater there. Okay. Um, wrapping things up. One more here. I'm gonna finish okay. it up in. Yeah. yeah. Oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> I was I was I was pointing at myself. I had one more thing. To say. Oh, oh shit, yeah. my bad. No, you're good. Um, what I want to see Carolina do is that we talked about deploying Curtis Samuel differently. How about they get an actual burner, um, whether through the draft or they or they sign Robbie Anderson, who still doesn't have a market out there. Let him do what Curtis Samuel did last year move Curtis Samuel into the, the second wide receiver slot and let him do what, what we think he's good at. It's just such an underrated offense to me. You know, yeah. they have so many weapons. Like, why Same. would you want to get a guy? At, uh, the fresh rebuild we talked about a while back when we were talking about the Panthers and Matt Rule and and what they should do to to make this team better and, you know, They've definitely jump started it with a, a yeah veteran quarterback. Yeah, they you know? did. They definitely did. It makes him com- more a little more competitive. And you were talking about how uh, it gives Matt Rule a little more job security by going ahead and go ahead and drafting a, a young guy mm-hmm. to run the show. Um, it's just so many weapons in this offense. It'd be a shame to see it get absolutely wasted for 2020 with this move. And I, I just I don't think that that's the case. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens there. Uh, it's going to be a fun team to watch. L.A. Chargers is where we wrap things up. And Austin Eckler uh, signed a four-year, $24.5 million deal. Includes $15 million guaranteed. Uh, right now, he's RB1. We know that that's not RB1 money. Um, they're going to add somebody at some point in the draft or a trade or you know maybe somebody off the street. But... Um, Austin Eckler had a terrific season last year, really as RB1 for a lot of the time and how they used him. Um, they've got a whole quarterback now, too. Tyrod Taylor going to be the the starter for now. So the Chargers are kind of in this really strange stack defense, a lot of missing pieces on offense as far as quarterback and tier one running back, I would say. The offensive line has a couple of holes as well. But if they go out and find a quarterback in the draft, like we think that they will, and have him battle it out with Tyrod Taylor. Austin Eckler is in the backfield with running back rookie. Pair that with Keenan Allen. Um, Mike Williams. Mike Williams, Hunter Henry. Yep. Uh, it, this is this looking pretty good, too. Another one of these teams that's like in between. Yeah. They're not bad. They're not good. Yeah. Uh, We've got to see how it plays out for sure. I mean, you're looking at the team I think is finishing last in the AFC West. I think this is a great move for them, honestly. I think Eckler... Uh, is the type of guy that's going to be able to stay, you know, durable, and 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 the only way that's going to happen is if they they find a way to get another running back. You know, Justin Jackson behind Austin Eckler is not it. it. It's not it. it. Um, so they're they're going to be adding a lot to the offense uh, through this draft. Their defense is back to healthy and it's good how with do you, Chris Harris. How do you feel about Austin Eckler fantasy wise? Like let's let's tie it back into that. Like sure. Dynasty this is great. Four year contract. Yeah. I mean he's he's gonna be there a while or at least on another team. He's gonna be getting paid by the Chargers. If they add another running back, you're not necessarily afraid of that. Like we we talked about Philip Lindsay in the same similar situation. He's not Austin Eckler. He's like Austin Eckler light. Very light. Uh 
Austin Eckler had a great season last year with Melvin Gordon in there or without Melvin Gordon in there? I think um, he's definitely worth a mid to late first, and and I very confident in that. He, he's not worth more uh, more than that by any means. He's not worth two firsts. He's not worth a first and a second. Um, I mean, you could maybe squeeze out the first and a second, but that's going to be a late first, late second type of situation. So Austin Eckler, from a dynasty perspective, he's on there for four years. Four years. That's that's a considerable considerable amount of time. He is part of their plans for the future. And uh, to be honest, just to go back to Tyrod, he's not. He can't be the starter. There's no way that's happening. So you're going to have a, a a rookie quarterback come in. They're going to implement Eckler in the passing game like they usually do. I think he's got one of the safest um, safest floors at running back that that uh, finished in the top 15 this year when it comes to just you guaranteed volume right now, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, even if they add someone, they will, they like running him uh, no matter what uh, in in the passing offense and, and running. So uh, I think he's just a very – a guy that you can be really comfortable having on your team uh, a, a would be a good move for a championship winning team to go after him if you have an extra first lying around. I think this is a perfect this is a perfect guy to go out and give away a first four right now if you want it to. Um, I, I just think that you know Austin Eckler owners are probably going to be a little thrown off with this contract. They'll probably feel better about Austin Eckler going forward, but they have to know in the back of their minds that another guy is coming in and going to take away touches. So uh, I would I would consider try to move on from Austin Eckler, but I'd also at the same time be comfortable having him on my roster. I mean this as a compliment. Um, Austin Eckler is going to be James White for the next four years. That's the career arc that I see with him. Um, they have very similar builds too, both five, five foot nine, 200 pounds. Um, James, James White's 28, Eckler's uh, 25, and we see James White continuing to do what he does coming out of the backfield in, in – uh, catching passes so that four-year contract that's a great contract for Eckler like you said um, he's going to be doing that for four years and that's a perfect role for a 5'9 200 pound like James White 5'9 200 pounds 28 years old and he's just going to keep doing what he's doing so I love that for Eckler I think that I, I think some people might be turned off by a James White comp because they're not really running backs like we talked about with Philip Lindsay, like 5'7", 190, uh, Eckler and James White, 5'9", 200 pounds. That's not lead running back. James That's White, lead... James White has that? been one of the most reliable totally. RB3s to to ever play in right. my book. And when he popped, I mean, you would pay a, a mid to late first just like you would with Eckler right now. So mm-hmm. I really like Austin Eckler. I don't care if they bring in a running back. It's not going to hurt his value, in right. my opinion, because it's not going to change how he's deployed. Plus, one benefit with him is what what's the young quarterback that that the Chargers bring in going to love? He's going to love a dump off to Austin Eckler and a, a screen to Austin Eckler and all those easy passes to their reliable running back catching passes out of the backfield. Kevin, you got anything else? I like him too. Yeah. What's nothing, not to like? There's nothing. He works hard to too, man. I mean, yeah. His workout here is kind of crazy. Yeah. All right, well, that's going to do it for the show tonight. Uh, I know we didn't uh, go over Tannehill, but uh, do we really need to? Not really. He's he's there for a while. Uh, Blake Jarwin's another guy in the mix. Uh, Kareem Hunt got a, 
got a second round tenure. All guys that are just they just stayed where they're at. Yeah, for the most yeah. part, not not super interesting to go over, but uh, you know they're still relevant, and uh, you know we'll have a little more uh, free agency stuff to go over next week. Still waiting on Winston and and Cam and uh, who else? Are we Devin Clowney. Yeah, that doesn't too. relate to fantasy, but fuck. Yeah, I know it's uh, on, it's huh? weird. I know waiting to see some other big moves. There's still Scared. a lot of movement around. People are people are buzzing, and it's because there's nothing else going on. We're all tired of sitting in our apartments or houses and and uh, refreshing our Twitter feed, waiting for the next alert. Because. Um, this is getting old, but I think it, for for all of those who are wondering how long this is going to last, I think it's going to be a while. So you better be ready. Um, now's a perfect time to do your research before your your drafts come up. Uh, NFL draft is only a uh, little more than a month away. That's exciting. I know it's not close enough. We won't be going to Vegas now. That's uh. yeah. It's. It's a real bummer. It's a bucket list item. Damn you, coronavirus. Yeah. Yeah, damn you. God. So, uh, everybody, stay healthy. Stay inside as much as you can. Avoid any confrontation with other human beings that you don't live with, I guess. Uh, there's only so much you can do. Uh, fortunately, me and Kevin have stayed healthy. Uh, Chase is healthy again, so we're good there. But uh, yeah, stay inside. Wash your hands. All the all the things you've heard a million times over the past couple weeks, and uh, we'll be back next week with a brand new pod, and we'll go over some other stuff. Uh, we're not going to tease you yet. You'll just have to wait for our, a little Twitter action for for some of that. So, uh, hope you all have a great night. Thanks for listening to the Tutty Talk podcast, and we'll talk Tutties with you next week. Wash your hands. <laughs>